This is an ABC podcast. Hey Luke, did you know that this little fish-shaped soy sauce container, did you know the tail actually is for spreading wasabi on your sushi? Oh, I did not know that. That's a very spicy fact you've got for me there, Fee. <laughs> but um, I actually don't ever accept those at the sushi places. Why not? They're excellent. It's got a little resealable nose. Well, yeah, but they're tiny little bits of plastic. They don't even contain fish sauce, and they're shaped like the fish that they're probably going to end up choking. Well, have you told the guy? No. You tell the guy. I'm not telling the guy. It's not my job. You tell the guy. I'm not telling the guy. What? I'm Fee Poole, and I'm learning to live a little greener. This is Little Green Pod. Ah, difficult conversations. I am not great at them especially when it comes to the environment. I mean, things get awkward and they get heated and they get there quickly. So you know what? I thought I'd get some advice on how to handle tough talk from someone who's done a lot of it. Damon Gamo, he made the film and he wrote the book, 2040. It takes a look at how we can save the world in the next 20 years, but he did it in a way that focuses on solutions rather than dwelling on the doom and gloom and making it seem an impossible task. Okay, Damon, so I need a bit of advice on this awkward conversation I really want to have with the local guys that run the sushi shop just near work. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want the little soy sauce. I don't want it coming in plastic. I don't want it wrapped in, you know, with rubber bands and, and then the chopsticks. What do I do about that? Well, I think the most important thing is to let them know, but in a way that's kind and considered. And, and I think also if they hear it from enough people, then they're more inclined to change. So it's about getting together with other people in your community that might enjoy that sushi store as well and making sure that they all just subtly mention, hey, guys, it'd be really interesting if you could look at some alternatives to this. Is there a way we can reduce that? So I shouldn't just end it at me either. I should agitate to get more people to do it too. Yeah, we've kind of reached that point. I think we had a chance probably in the 80s and 90s to just get by on individual action and doing our keep cups and things like that. But we've reached a point now where we do need people to find their agency and step up a little bit more, whether that's at their workplace, what changes can you go and take to the boss or with your other staff members at your school? What can your school do, your kids' school, in terms of making changes or in your community? Social media can be a great way to create communities of like-minded people, but be careful how you use it if you want to create change. Leaving a bunch of negative public comments on a cafe's page because you want them to go plastic-free? That's not really cool. But sending a private message with a friendly suggestion or two? Now you're talking. Say you haven't done that before, like you haven't actually spoken up, you haven't advocated before, what would be your advice that first time? (laughs) Yeah, it can be confronting. I went through that myself. It's really tough. But I think it's always about, for me, it helps when I just tune into the bigger picture and, and think, well, it's actually not about me. This is about my daughter or this is about, you know, the planet and the future of our civilization. And they're, they're big stakes. And even thinking and blowing the, the issue up to be that big just gets the focus off yourself and, and gives you a motivation or, or a greater sense of purpose to do this. What would be your advice to those of us who sort of want to go out there and advocate what could potentially be an awkward conversation with, say, a climate denier? Or I often say to people, if you, if you are confronted with a denier, uh, the best thing that worked for me was that, you know, imagine getting on a plane and, and on one side of the gate were 97 airline mechanics that said, you know, this plane's going to crash. We don't think you should get on it. And there were three airline mechanics on the other side that said, yeah, we're not sure if the science is settled or not. We don't know. Would you get on the plane? We hope you enjoy your flight. 
Research by the Australia Institute in 2018 found 76% of Australians accept the reality of climate change, while 11% do not think it's occurring and 13% are undecided. Meanwhile, 97% of climate scientists agree that climate warming trends are due to human activity. Flight crew, please prepare for takeoff. How do we go about sharing, like, really good tips about the environment or advice about how you can do something positive, but without sounding like a pedant, like, you know, standing there waving your finger? (laughs) I think that's in the language. I think that's how people communicate. I think you can pick it up very easily. If someone's uh, writing a post on social media, for example, you can tell whether they're just sharing information or whether their intention is to beat you over the head with that information. So I think we all need to check ourselves in that and how we are sharing this stuff um, and that people don't react when they're being told or preached. But if the information is offered, then they're more open to listening and accepting. And, you know, and that's another big part of this whole discussion is we just need to listen more. I think we've been sort of trying to tell each other who's right and wrong. And that's kind of how our whole system or social media is playing out right now. But we all need to actually really upscale our ability to listen and just understand where people are. And I think, again, we're seeing that that's probably been a bit of a failure in the environmental movement is that we haven't listened to some of these people in these communities in rural areas that are fearful of losing their jobs and security. Uh, We can't just barrel into town and say, hey, we're going to do this and change for the sake of the climate. These people do care about the climate, but they also care about their livelihoods and their family and the security and their kids. So again, it's just bringing in that human element to this, which I think has been lacking. The Yale Program on Climate Change Communication recommends tailoring your argument to the other person and their values. Are they money conscious? Talk about the financial benefits of going solar. Are they a devoted parent? talk about the legacy they're leaving behind for their kids and don't assume what matters to you will matter to them. Hey, Damon, tell us a a happy story, a good story, one that we will want to share with people when we're having difficult conversations. One that really sticks with me was a a study at Columbia University recently that said that once 3.5% of the population engage in meaningful activity on a subject, the stats throughout history show that great change happens, whether that's overthrowing a government or reclaiming some kind of title, that that's all it takes for 3.5% of the population to be actively engaged. So we do have a great opportunity here. We can change it. We can do, and people need to know that by coming together, this is how it's worked right through history, that we can get things done. Talk positively about solutions rather than dwelling on the problem. A good example is, hey... Did you see the cafe down the road gives 50 cents off if you bring your own coffee cup? A not-so-good example is OMG. I read the other day that coffee cup lids take 500 million years to break down. So when we all die out, which I'm pretty sure will be very soon, the world will just be filled with trillions of plastic coffee cup lids. And I noticed that you use plastic coffee cup lids all the time, so it's pretty much all because of people like you. What about for those people that you know are green at heart but just super lazy? <laughs> they just think, it's, oh, it's all too hard, I'm too busy. How do you help them? 
<laughs> well, I guess it's about understanding what's at stake. It comes back to that again. I think once people do understand what is going on, they feel more motivated to get involved because there are animals that are already facing extinction. It's uh, They're dealing with their apocalypse every day. We know even in our country, we, we lost one third of our flying fox population last November on one day just because of the heat and the beautiful monarch butterfly is down 97%. So my daughter might not, might not see that in 20 or 30 years when she's around. And, you know, that should be a great motivator to all of us to not be lazy. There's so much at stake here. You're armed with facts. Like, I didn't know that about the one third of the flying fox population. Like, do you think that's smart? Like, should we, you know, like everyone says you've got a joke reservoir. You've always got three jokes. Should we have three environmental facts? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think we do need a, a rapid upscaling of ecological literacy. I think without being alarmist, I think it is important for people know, to know what's going on. But our society set up that we don't focus on those things. I mean, we saw when the UN report came out about a million species facing extinction, hardly any news outlet covered it. They were looking at the royal baby or other stories. So there's a huge disconnect with the planet at the moment. If you want to build up your arsenal of green facts, all you need to do is listen to Little Green Pod. Every episode has a sprinkling of smarty pants stats. Like, did you know if food waste was a nation... It would be the third largest emitter after the US and China. So, Damien, I'm going to just see if I'm getting this right here. First thing is to listen. Yep. Second, to bring it back to the human, like bring it back to the emotion. So bring it back to our kids and our future. And the third thing is to upscale our ecological literacy so that when we go there deep into that conversation, we can sort of fully express our yeah. concern. Is, is that right? It is. And I also, I'd add to that, that um, set an example. I mean, we are social animals and studies have shown that if a fire is burning and someone grabs a bucket and puts out the fire, someone else is more inclined to pick up a bucket and help you. So I think it's really important uh, to people to understand they are making a difference. Even if they sort of say no to that plastic in that sushi, you're sending a signal to other people that these things aren't acceptable in society anymore. And that's really empowering. So number four is just do it. <laughs> Let's try and use a different slogan. I think that's been hijacked that one by a very large corporation. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, Luke, let's go tackle this sushi waste. I think you should go first. Oh, oh you think I should go first? Oh, this is a, I'm really surprised about that. Yeah. All right. Um, firstly, we really love your sushi. It's the best. We come here like every morning. But I need to ask, can you stop using the tiny little plastic fish and the little wasabi packets? Because they just, I mean, they're bad. It's, they're plastic and they're tiny and they choke the th- things. Uh, yes, I tried to find some, something else. I'm going yeah, to ask our supplier to any options. Really? You'll ask your supplier? Ah, uh, yes. Oh my gosh, you're the best. You just got even better. You're now even more my favourite sushi shop. Thank you so much for doing that. And also, I wrote you a letter. Here you go. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's a letter, it's not a conversation fee. <laughs> so I chickened out. I wrote a letter. <laughs> but my workmate, Luke... He was brave and he took on that difficult conversation and it worked. We're making a difference one soy sauce fishy at a time. 
For more Little Green tips and tricks, look up Little Green Pod on ABC Listen. It's free or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Little Green Pod is an ABC Audio Studios and ABC Regional and Local production. It's presented by me, Fee Pool. It's produced by Samantha Turnbull. Audio engineer is Simon Branthwaite. And executive producers are Liz Keane and Rachel Fountain. Listener.